Hello there, I'm Kevin Scott, writer of Star Wars The High Republic from Marvel, and you're listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. A Utini Podcast Network production. Only in your mind, my better young apprentice. Episode 179, Star Wars Padawan Roundtable. Oh, Anakin's not a Jedi yet. He's still a Padawan learner. On this episode, who drafted the best spies and scoundrel squad, and why is it Eric? Expectations for Disney Plus Day. Your work exceeds all expectations. And the Utini crew talks about the new novel Padawan by Kirsten White. Until you overcome it, Padawan will still be here. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Hello, everyone! Welcome to the Living Force, a Utini Network podcast all about Padawan, tonight at least. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me to talk all about the latest novel from Kirsten White is the full crew. Usually I would say hello to our first guest, but today I'll say aloha! It's Dr. Corey Helton! What's <laughs> aloha up, from Hawaii! I am joined here by my luxurious condo that I just purchased here using my Star Wars money. <laughs> uh, yes, I am uh, I am in Hawaii. This episode of Leading Force is sponsored by Hawaii.gov. Uh, that's not true. That would be really cool, yeah. though. Hawaii! It's really great! That's yes. the tag. <laughs> that's the tag. Yes, I am uh, joining you from Hawaii. I'm on a vacation out here. It is a miracle that we're making this happen. I have just technology is kind of insane. You want to see my view? I'll show you out the window here. Look at this. This is my view. There you go. You get to see it. Uh, Describe it for our audio listeners, Corey. Yes, for our audio listeners, I am mere steps from my porch where there is a lovely ocean view. Um, yeah, it's describe a, your nice. shirt next for the audience. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm wearing I'm wearing a, uh, a a blue Hawaiian shirt that Charles eloquently described as the ugliest shirt he's ever seen. So uh, <laughs> I, you you look like a bad street comedian. Is what you look you look like if John Daly was a podcaster. Listen, oh I told you I would. If John, Jesus Christ, hit me where it hurts. I told you I would wear Hawaiian shirts, so here we are. I only have three, Please. though, so I get to wear repeated ones at the one month mark. So there we go. Well, I am, I am so thrilled you made it. Uh, yes, this entire month of podcast will be coming from Hawaii, from Corey. You deserve it, man. And now, next up, we have who apparently is the most brutal roaster out of any of us, Doctor Charles Hankel. How's your I'm jealousy just, going, I'm my dude? I'm just salty because I'm not in Hawaii. I, I love Charlotte and all, but it rained all. All day and those blue skies just made me mad, Corey. That's all it was. It did, you That's know, Charles. It, it rained a little bit on, on me earlier too, and you know, I had to put uh, the top up on my convertible, yeah. and <laughs> you know, it really sucked, man. I had to pull over to the side of the road. It was the water oh. and beach and palm trees over to the side, and then I put the top up. Oh man, you know, it sucks. You know how that is. You know how that is, Charles. <laughs> I, I'm just glad you at least have another full month off before you ever have to think about going to work, Corey. You deserve this. Oh man. Um. But, of course, rounding out our crew, not in Hawaii, and usually I would call him amazing, eloquent, just the most beautiful man in the world. But we have a fantasy football draft tomorrow, so he's my brutal enemy for the next 48 hours. It's Wes Jenkins. What's up? Uh, Happy Labor Day, everyone. Everybody who labors, whether you are... Whether you're birthing a new child or you're going to work every day, <laughs> happy Labor Day. I hope you did neither of those today. Oh, <laughs> dear. Say. I did not know where that was going to uh, go, Wes. <laughs> yes, happy in Labor Day, as we will now call it. Um, 
<laughs> Happy to see you, man. Happy to see all of you here. Of course, if you're tuning in live, hello. If you're all watching or listening later on, I hope you're having a great week. Uh, we are, of course, here to talk all about Padawan tonight in one of our roundtables. Before we do that, we do want to say a couple quick things. Uh, we want to reference last week's show. We had a lovely draft episode of Spies and Scoundrels in anticipation of Andor, which is coming up in less than three weeks. It's like two and a half weeks. I cannot wait. It's almost here. Um, but we did put up a poll uh, on who had the best team. And Wes, uh, I believe we have some data. Uh, would you mind just sharing with our audience? Those, these no, were no, our no. teams? Yep, you first, teams. You first prefaced that okay. we want to go to the Spies and Scoundrels draft and talk yes. about it. No, we don't. No, We yes, don't we want do. to do this. You <laughs> want to talk about this. So this was this is our draft board for our listeners. Corey's draft. Just go run through it right quick. Corey did Lando, Tobias Beckett, Val, Mission Val, and Tycho Selchu. Eric it. went Han Solo, Vi Marardi, Jin Erso, Karen Aiden, and Del Miko. Charles is Cassian Andor, Dexter Jester, Winter, Kyle Katarn, Dash Renda. And I, <laughs> probably the best team there, was Mon Mothma, Chewbacca, Aiden Versio, Galen Erso, and Armitage Hux. And for the poll results, which was astounding to me and everybody else except for Eric, Eric won. Eric won. Boo. Eric won. Oh, 100% <laughs> cheated. Absolutely. We asked the wrong question. We it, we were creating who would pull off a heist successfully. That's what we were I, drafting, I not who had the thank, best crew. I want to thank <laughs> the 36.6% of our audience that, that just felt what was right and, and went with their hearts. <laughs> um, I, I, I legit think this might be the first draft I've won. And it's my favorite thing. So there's, there's, no, like way that's, there's no way that that's true. This cannot yeah. be the first draft that you It won. might be. You won the it last one, Corey. Wes has won at least one. I should have won it again. I don't think I've won one. Not what happened. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened with my, to my we loyal We came in following. dead last. I know we did. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find out on our next one, of course. Uh, let us know also in the comments or on Twitter, anywhere you find us. If you have a draft episode you'd like us to do in the future, we're, we're always planning ahead. Uh, let us know. We do enjoy doing these, and it's a Again, a little fun competition as life goes on. I do also want to mention, I, I briefly said it, uh, we do have our Utini Fantasy Football League draft tomorrow night. Uh, it's the third year in a row we've done this. Uh, Wes and I have been in. Wes, you've been in, in every year, right? Were you in the first year? I was or in the first last? year. Yes, I was. Uh, okay, yes. Yeah, so we've been in all three years. Uh, I'm drafting in the second spot. Wes, do you know what you're drafting tomorrow night? I don't know. Should, should I have... Do y'all have that up already? Should I? Oh know yeah, this? it was it was three weeks ago. I put the draft over. It's fine. It's good. Um, Wes, I'll, I'll say I'll say it right now. Wes, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna let our folks know, and then we'll get off of real football for a while. I promise. Wes, you're I'm in the a- sixth spot at the 12 team <sighs> league. You're right in the middle, baby. Okay, so, cool. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Uh, last year, if you haven't listened to our show last year, I I do do a little bit of fantasy updates as the years go on. Some of us really love doing it this time of year, so I'm very excited uh, to jump in there with some staff members and, of course, some listeners that have been in there for a couple of years. So, very excited for football to be back, and I promise there will be a minimum amount of sports talk on this podcast, uh, but there will be just a little. Jacob in the chat asks who won. Uh, I can't say. Who knows? The data's lost, Jacob. No one will ever find out who won and who was last. <laughs> um, it's, it's deleted. The archives do not exist. <laughs> um, the only piece of news I wanted to chat with you fellows about before we get to Padawan in a bit. Um, Disney Plus Day is officially coming uh, this week on September 8th. 
this has been a little back and forth over the years. Sometimes we get really cool announcements. Uh, sometimes we get literally nothing. Uh, and it's all around the streaming service, right? Around the Marvel projects, the Disney, and sometimes the Star Wars. I've seen on Twitter, guys, some ideas that maybe we'll get something about, like, Tales of the Jedi, Bad Batch Season 2. You know, those things that have been... Uh, completely silent since Star Wars Celebration, mm. but are apparently coming out this year. Uh, any predictions for what we might get this week, or do you think we're getting zero Star Wars content on Disney Plus Day? That's, that would be a little shocking to me if we got zero Star Wars content because, I mean, Star Wars has been, been one of the leading drivers of revenue for Disney Plus. I think just from a pure money mm-hmm. perspective, they've been really forward about that, about like Mandalorian, like push a ton of subscribers into Disney Plus. So yeah. I would I would be shocked if we don't get something, even if it's just like an image or like, you know, they could be a little they could clarify the schedule or something like that mm-hmm. maybe, but I don't know. Yeah. I would be shocked too. Unfortunately like I, I think that yeah, Jacob you said a sizzle reel would be you know, some, just something like that. I just don't want it to be like a retrospective of like, ah, look how well we've done. Aren't we yeah. great? Like, yeah. But <laughs> I know what Marvel movies are coming out in 2027, okay? Like, can I please know what's coming after Andor? <laughs> Maybe, no, seriously. You know? Now, the other thing that we should mention, too, about the Disney Plus thing, is there are some interesting rumors circulating. And, you know, the only yeah. reason I bring this up is because we literally just talked about this with our Rise of Skywalker speculation. There's some images circulating saying that John Boyega is participating in Disney Plus Day, which is yeah. a little shocking MCU. to me. Yeah, yeah, right. So... I don't know. Interesting to see that. I don't know if he's if he's willing to work for Disney again. I don't know. Very interesting <laughs> stuff. I love it when shocking I eat my in words. A, shocking in a sense. Shocking in a sense that he said he wouldn't do uh, Star Wars again. A little bit. Is that what I, it is? Yeah, because guy said that interview. He was like, you know, he, he said something along the lines of like Finn's story might go on, but he's had his part. He was very diplomatic about it, obviously. But you can tell. I mean, John got burned pretty bad. Um, by being in Star Wars and spoke up for a lot of things that are now being rectified. But, I mean, Marvel does seem like a different beast, even though it's still Disney. The the actors that work in the Marvel Cinematic Universe just seem to really feel supported. They're also just kind of, frankly, more diverse in general. Yeah, 100%. The Marvel Universe is, I don't know, weirdly larger than Star Wars, like just by cast and involvement and because of modern storytelling and that sort of thing, too, right? So... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, and think the thing like that. It's really probably more so about the people you're working directly with, That's like not true, right? so much like right. Disney. Because you know, does that mean John Boyega will never guest on Scott Van Pelt because Disney's technically <laughs> his boss? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, true. yeah, no. it's true. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, obviously, by the time you listen to this episode at the end of the week, we will know uh, any of the secrets or if it was, you know. All for nothing. And I'm not saying Disney has ever promised a large announcement day and literally nothing has happened before. But it could. You know. Um, who knows what's going to happen. But, of course, we'll tell you next week when we find out. A couple other updates we want to say in our Patreon community. We wanted to give a shout-out to uh, one of our awesome Patreon shows that some of you may listen to on delay. And that's called the Star Wars Archives. Our buddies Trev and Jose host that show where they do deep dives into some amazing parts of the Star Wars universe. Um... We want to give them a shout-out because three Sundays from now, which is September 25th, they will be releasing their 50th episode. Um, And the big thing about the 50th is that it will be a Patreon exclusive for its entirety. Uh, So 
most of the episodes are released on a public streaming about three months afterwards, which is great. For those of you that aren't be able, able to join our Patreon, that's fine. But episode 50 will forever be a Patreon exclusive. So, if you've been waiting for the time that, oh, do I want to jump on Utini's Patreon and see what's going on? There's never a better time. And we also just want to say a huge shout-out to Trevin Jose for continuing t- this awesome show for 50 episodes. For real. That is, uh... 50 yeah. episodes that's is no, no small, small feat. <clears throat> Absolutely. Mm-mm. Big accomplishment, for sure. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's going to be a fun one, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And then episode 49 drops this upcoming Sunday. So if you're on our Patreon, make sure you're checking out the Star Wars archives. And if you haven't, you know what? Maybe jump on for a month and get to binging. We also want to kind of start stoking the fires, a little bit of a tease. Uh, our Asheville documentary that we've been working on for quite a bit now, uh, behind the scenes, is uh, imminent. I think it's the word we're imminent. comfortable saying, right, guys? It's imminent. <laughs> yes. It is um, it's imminent. on its way. It's at the doorstep. Yeah. It's going, so, Luke! I don't think Luke! I, I don't Luke! Think, <laughs> I don't think Utini has ever put so much effort and energy into a video project before. I mean, we, we have literally gone through, I think, mm-hmm. full three full recuts of it, I believe, like, essentially. and Yep. Like, and it's it's hefty. Nathan has a lot of hours in the editing room on this one, and the final product mm. is very very good. And I hope it is, I hope it's as meaningful for our community. I think as it has been for the five of us that got to go on that trip, because like, in a lot of ways, it has sort of defined our friendship. And yeah. uh, I think that if you are a listener of the Living Force and like you've been around for a while, a couple years, or you've been in and out of our community, or you've gotten to know us a little bit, like. I think you will sort of be able to feel what what we felt from watching this because like it was really a profound experience to to get to put into 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 live action I guess you could say what our friendship yeah. has been online <laughs> all this time so you know if you've been on the fence for a while about joining Patreon the documentary is done and it's going to come out very soon so you know if uh now, we've been teasing that for a long time, but now it's finally ready, and I think we're going to roll out the red carpet for it and make it a fun event. And I hope that everybody enjoys it as much as we did because it was a ton of fun to create, and uh, I'm very, very happy with the final product. And I think I can speak for all of us when I say we got very emotional when we watched it. So, Oh, yeah. oh man. I, I, I was so unhelpful in this editing process because from the first cut, I'm like, it's perfect. I'm crying. <laughs> like I had nothing to give, which is not helpful. Luckily, I have yeah. you fine fellas to be like, this is great. We could tighten this up. We could edit this. And I'm like, that's even better. Like, I was just a mess the whole time, guys. Yeah. So, very stoked. Again, that will be a Forever Patreon exclusive. So, uh, keep your eyes peeled. We will, of course, make a full announcement when it is officially released over at utini.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash utini. But we want to let you guys know uh, very, very soon. And, yes, the final cut is done. All right. Other couple things you want to keep your eyes out for, not just our content at Utini, you silly billies. Star Wars is also making stuff. Uh, and you want to head over to the Utini.com release calendar because we are now officially within a month of the next Star Wars book release. Didn't Princess and the Scarecrow just come out? Yup. Don't you have a roundtable? <laughs> yup. Anyway, we have another book that's coming out October 4th, everybody. Phase 2 of the High Republic officially begins. Uh, the High Republic Path of Deceit comes out. Tessa Gratton on Twitter today posted that she actually got her uh, author's uh, proof copy. The like, uncorrected advance copy is in their hands. So, like, that's super exciting. It's becoming real. October 4th. 
Then, of course, George Mann's The Higher Public Quest for the Hidden City, the middle grade novel, comes out November 1st, with Zoraida Cordova's adult novel, The Higher Public Convergence, coming out November 15th. As always, make sure you get those pre-orders in, because even though it's been a while, I can still confidently say there is nothing like the hype of a day one Higher Public release. You want to be in this community when it comes in. You want that book on your doorstep day one. Uh, then jump on the Discord channels, jump on Twitter. There's, there's, really, there's really nothing quite like it. Um, and Andor like might be done by then, so like you got time. <laughs> All right, now that I've scared Charles enough with the future books that are coming up, I think it's time to talk about our recent release of Kirsten White's Padawan. From this point on, everyone, just as a warning, we will be going full spoilers about this book. So if you haven't read it yet, just hit pause, listen to it on Audible, read the book, then come back. But if you either have read it or you just want to see what we thought about it, buckle up, because Charles, it is roundtable time. Let's do it. All right, and just reminding y'all that this is a one-parter. We're just going to do one part on Padawan, so we got a lot to get through. So let's go ahead and jump in with the plot synopsis. A 16-year-old Obi-Wan Kenobi can't seem to find his way. He fails to understand his master, Qui-Gon Jinn, and his insistence on staying in the Jedi Temple to practice meditation. He yearns to go on adventures like the other Padawans. To make matters worse, Count Dooku visits the temple, and rumors of Qui-Gon once again arguing with the council begin to spread. While wandering around the temple, Obi-Wan stumbles upon ancient carvings left by the High Republic's Orla Jereni and Comac Vitus that point toward a lost planet named Lenaro with some unknown significance. Obi-Wan informs Qui-Gon of his findings, bending the truth to claim the Force led him to his discovery, and requests they investigate. Qui-Gon agrees. However, on the day of their planned departure, Qui-Gon doesn't show up. In a moment of recklessness, Obi-Wan appropriates a shuttle and decides to go off on his own. On the way to Lenara, Obi-Wan discovers a distress beacon and takes it aboard his ship. When he does, a mysterious figure across the galaxy is alerted. Shortly after, Obi-Wan arrives on the planet and encounters the locals who are all children, led by siblings Aj and Castle. He's amazed to find that they have physical abilities similar to his own, though they claim to know nothing of the Force or the Jedi. He quickly learns that these abilities are necessary, as Lenara is an incredibly dangerous place where the wildlife and the planet itself constantly attack, trying to drive sentience off-world. Over the ensuing days, Obi-Wan learns more about the planet. All the adults on Lenara are gone, but the exact reasoning is left unclear. The children who remain get their abilities from something they call the power, which they harvest from the planet. When one of the younglings goes missing, Obi-Wan ventures into the wild on his own and discovers Lenara is not aggressive toward him unless he's with one of the others, though he doesn't yet understand why. Despite the dangers, Obi-Wan realizes he feels quite free on Lenara, away from Qui-Gon, the Jedi, and all of their rules. Though he's hurt by Qui-Gon abandoning him, he's surprised by how at home he feels amongst the Lenarans. The day of the harvest arrives, and the Lenarans bring Obi-Wan to a deep scar in the land from a crashed ship. Obi-Wan finds carvings depicting the demise of previous generations of Lenarans, as well as a hollow recording from Orla Jereni. They all venture deep underground and find a pool filled with glowing orbs. The Lenarans begin stealing and consuming the orbs. Obi-Wan realizes this is what gives them their power, but he can also feel through the Force how wrong what they're doing is. The planet reacts violently, screaming in rage and sending all of its wildlife and weather to attack. Obi-Wan desperately tries to get the Lenarans to return the power, but they refuse. Once back to safety, Obi-Wan confronts the Lenarans. In an attempt to defend their actions, Oj explains more about their history. Their parents learned about and used the power in an effort to help them survive more easily, but the planet rebelled. And the more power their parents consumed, the more their bodies broke down. 
The adults held a vote, and while some opted to leave Lenara, others couldn't give up the power and chose to stay. They passed on the ways of the harvest to their children. Obi-Wan tries to convince them that there is another way of life, but Odge accuses him of being jealous that their, ab that their abilities rival his own. Suddenly, another ship appears. An investigation reveals that Odge and Kessel's uncle Logrib has returned, having tracked down the beacon that Obi-Wan rescued from space. He tells the tale of being forced to leave Lenara and claims to have come back to be claims to have come back to be reunited with his family but upon further digging obi-wan discovers that he has actually returned to take all the power for himself when obi-wan warns the lenarans Odge and kessel turn against him frustrated obi-wan goes off on his own into the wilderness to meditate and finds that he is finally able to deeply connect with both the force and the planet Odge found Odge finds him surrounded by serene wildlife shocked into listening she finally comes to agree with obi-wan Together, the Lenarans all return to the cave and give back the power they harvested, bringing peace to the planet once more. They hurry to Logrib's ship to convince him to abandon his plan, but Logrib cannot be reasoned with, and a fight breaks out. Logrib scurries into the caves, and Obi-Wan, Oj, and Kessu will follow to find him at the pool, having just consumed as much power as possible, now entirely beyond reasoning. He attacks with frightening strength and injures both Oj and Kessu. In a desperate attack, Odge consumes one last power orb to help in the fight, knowing it may end her truce with the planet. However, Logrib still gets the better of her. As the last one standing between Logrib and Lenara, Obi-Wan remembers one of Qui-Gon's teachings and is able to hurl a small stone through the Force, striking Logrib in the forehead, causing him to fall and be crushed by the very boulder he was about to throw. Though Logrib is defeated, danger has not dissipated. With so much power having been consumed, Lenara and its wildlife turn on everyone, making it clear no one is welcome on the planet anymore. The Lenarans escape with Obi-Wan just before the planet closes itself off forever. After parting ways, Obi-Wan returns to the temple, frightened that he will be kicked out of the Order for his insolence. Instead, he is greeted by Qui-Gon, who implies Obi-Wan was always meant to go off on his own so that he could finally find a true connection with the Force. Despite his trials, Obi-Wan finds he is pleased to be back among the temple, the Jedi, and his master. He wholeheartedly pledges to continue on his path wherever the Force may lead him. All right, so there's everything that happened. There's your recap. Anyone didn't read the book, Corey? You read the book, right? I you didn't read need the that. book. I read it on the plane with, yesterday. <laughs> so, so let's all take a moment to reflect on this story. What did you get out of this reading experience? What value did this book bring to you? And what got you just really excited? Um, Eric, let's go to you first. So this book, I, I, I got a really interesting look at Obi-Wan that I had never had before. I think that I'd never like, conceived in my mind what he would be like as kind of a young individual Jedi, like without Qui-Gon, without Satine, without Anakin, like without anybody and it was interesting seeing him kind of in this place where he's not as polished as we'd ever seen him before. And I'm always a sucker for Force lore, Crystal lore, as I've said on the show multiple times. And it was interesting seeing, like, the Force or the power, what have you, through the, the lens of other characters, like the Lenarans. And I liked that a lot. Uh, as far as, like, the value I got out of this... I think I got some value of Obi-Wan's character by seeing where he is in this book to where he is by the time we get to the Phantom Menace. Because it is a pretty decent jump. Um, he is a, like makes a little more rash decisions. He's a little more unsure of himself. And realizing that a kid like that can eventually you know grow into Obi-Wan and be the guy we want was really helpful. And I think now when I watch Phantom Menace or watch Obi-Wan or anything like that in the future, I'm going to remember like, oh, he 
used to not have everything together. And I, that arc gets a little more deepened. And then finally, as far as what got me really excited about this book, it, it's going to be no surprise for anyone that's ever listened to this show. Um, I mean, freaking all the Dreni and Comac got mentioned. Like, anytime the High Republic comes into the, like, OG canon, I get super stoked. So the fact that now Obi-Wan Kenobi knows the name Orla Jereni and Comac Vitus because they're in the temple. It just kind of strengthens the High Republic's grip on the lore. Um, so that really was probably my most exciting thing for me. Even though it was pretty small relatively, wasn't really part of the general narrative. Anytime we get more Orla Jereni content, I- I'm, I'm, I'm all in. So that was probably weirdly my, my most excited bit, even though it was on page like seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Dex. Oh yeah, we got Dex. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, this book was was fun. I think it's. I think that's the, probably the best way to sum it up is that it was fun, right? Like it yep. was really, it was really short. Um, YA maybe in a little bit of a stretch. I think, in my opinion, it almost feels like it was kind of geared toward a little bit more of a younger yeah. audience. Really, even yeah. it wasn't quite middle grade either, though. You know what I mean? It was like a little yeah. bit over the line of middle grade. Yeah. I feel it like. puts the Y in YA. I think. Yeah, I think so. That's probably. it. <laughs> That's probably a good way to put it. This, is, this would certainly be a YA book that is maybe geared towards a little bit younger of an audience than, say, Lost Stars, for example, I think. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I think it was fun. I think we got to see an insecure side of Obi-Wan that we'd never seen before. I, I think that was uh, an interesting take to see what – I love that sort of the, the principal theme of the book seemed to be how Obi-Wan was becoming the negotiator, right? Like that seemed to be the, the, the whole vibe of the whole book was that – like we're learning to see how he's able to develop that skill and is sort of realizing that that is his special force power. You know what I mean? Like you press you press triangle and you get Obi Wan negotiating, right? Like that's how. It, <laughs> like, so it was fun to it was fun to sort of get that um, that angle a little bit. So I enjoyed that. So um, it was I thought it was cool to see that Obi Wan was unsure of himself. It's almost like we're watching him grow up. Because yeah. we're starting from really, really young. Um, is this the youngest that we've seen Obi Wan in, in a in a book? For canonically, in canon, yeah, in canon. So he's he's essentially growing up um, right before our eyes because we have all we have the books and then we have uh, the Phantom Menace. So um, it's 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 neat to see that um, he goes through some insecurities, like you said, Corey and. It's kind of relating to a lot of people um, in the world right now. So, yeah. um, so he was like some insecure, and he was very unsure of himself. But then he took that extra step, and he went on an adventure on his own. And I thought that was really cool of him to do. But um, also, like the there was a good like portion of the book where they talked about Count Dooku coming back yeah, and kind of that was cool. Kind of getting kind of getting Qui Gon to come back with them. He's like, hey, Qui Gon. Jedi Order is not what it was all cracked up to be, man. Yeah, you can come be a rich, awesome dude over here in, <laughs> in where I'm at, and we can have you know all the parties and festivities we want, but we can still we can still be good guys. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, that that was um, that was one of the the um, parts that excited me was like the, the Count Dooku yeah. uh, part that happened in the beginning. Yeah, why is Master Duke here? Yeah, don't worry about it. I don't yeah. know. I, I, he's, he's, is he supposed to be here? I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, is he is he expelled? I love that. <laughs> I love that we got to see that through the angle of like the the Padawans. They're all like talking smack and everything, and like yeah. spreading the rumors. And like yeah. that was fun. That was fun. The, uh, the Lost is that what they are? Yeah, the, they lost? the Lost. The Lost Twenty. Yeah. yeah. The Lost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I missed that. Cause I think we we've talked on the show a couple times about how we kind of 
missed that level in canon of like some this is the head legends of like the Harry Potter ish nature of the Jedi Temple. Like, I want to see them as kids hanging out in that in that first couple chapters of the like messing with food fighting and like yeah, kind of talking know. about oh I have to go to saber class or whatever. Picking like. on they were picking on Obi Wan. I love that they were like yeah. they were like like oh you better look out Qui Gon's next. You're not gonna have a master. That was funny, yeah. dude. That's exactly how it would be. That was, that's nobody's gonna like wanna, saying nobody's like nobody's gonna want to train you. Yeah, that's exactly. like and it's so brutal because that's like uh, your mom's gonna leave you. Uh, like, yeah. That's like really brutal. That <laughs> like, is middle the equivalent. Actually, brutal though, dude. Yeah. Like for real, but valid, yeah. valid. <laughs> All right. Well, I I agree with everything you guys said. It was the summer of Obi Wan. It was a nice way to finish the summer of Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah. uh, so let's let's talk about him a little bit more. We're gonna jump into the character section, and it's actually just gonna be Obi Wan tonight. Uh, So a few quotes for you. On page 32, all Obi-Wan wanted was to be a Jedi Knight, to go out into the galaxy and be an agent of goodness, of order, of the light. He couldn't do any of that stuck in the temple. Sure, he could run through the basic lightsaber combat forms in his sleep, and he could use the force to push and pull and jump. His physical abilities were more than adequate, but he couldn't shake the fear that spiritually he didn't have what it took to be a knight. And that constant fear made him feel both guilty and more afraid. It was a terrible cycle he didn't know how to break out of, one he was certain was holding him back, both from his connection to the Force and his own potential. Maybe if he could get out of the temple, if he could go among the stars, an active Jedi, maybe then he could feel the Force guiding him. Maybe then he could feel like he deserved to be a Padawan. Later on page 122, when it came to the other aspects of the Force, communing with it, not using it as an extension of himself, like a lightsaber to be wielded, but getting to the point where he was an extension of the Force, well, maybe that was why Qui-Gon didn't bother with him. Why Qui-Gon apparently hadn't even wanted him in the first place. Obi-Wan scowled. Who is he kidding? He couldn't explain the Force to anyone because he couldn't figure out what it was to him in the first place. Later on page 288. Oh, and these, these page numbers are probably going to be off because I lost my physical copy of the book halfway through and I ended up buying it on Kindle and it's all, it all changed. But anyways... <laughs> Maybe I've been on at your page... house, Charles. Where is it? <laughs> I know. Maybe on page 288. Ish. Uh, <laughs> Ish. Obi-Wan felt powerless, truly powerless, for the first time in his life. His lightsaber was useless against this. His own abilities not enough to counter Logrib's rush of temporary, unbelievable strength. A sudden calm settled over Obi-Wan. The frantic energy he was absorbing from Lenara finally quieted. Obi-Wan sealed himself off, creating a single point of focused clarity amid the violent fury around him. Logurb is right. Obi-Wan was a Padawan. He was one very small person in a vast galaxy. Remember, Qui-Gon had said, sometimes the Force works in very small ways, too. And then the very end of the book, page 303, he was ready at last to walk the path that lay ahead of him, to learn what he must, and to prepare in every way he could for whatever his destiny might be, to accept loss, to embrace change, and most important, to never let fear separate him from the Force again. He was ready for a future as a Jedi, but right now, today, he was a Padawan, and it had never felt better. So how would you describe the change in Obi-Wan's relationship with the Force throughout this book and what do you think it was that truly prompted that change i mean i think just basically i think he just learns how to listen to it i think it's it's the yoda of it all i think by the by the beginning he's having such a hard time meditating because he's like how do i do this correctly which is also i think one of the most yeah like relatable things obi-wan's ever done like how do i listen right um which is very ap kid kind of thinking you ever overthought breathing (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what, Charles? We're not getting. This isn't about me. It's about Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, <laughs> but at the end, I think he realizes finally what listening to the will of the Force means. And I think being on a planet that is literally like speaking out so viscerally prompted that for him. That's what I got out yeah, of it. I totally agree with that. Like once he's, he noticed that the the planet, the animals there, the fauna wasn't trying to kill him, much like his friends or the kids that he met, um, that kind of just made an epiphany in his mind. He was like, hold on a second. I'm listening to the to the Force. I can feel around the planet and the people that are there. And there's something wrong here. And then that he problem solving in your younger days helped him to get to that next point of, oh, wow, listening through this force, I can I can understand that there's something wrong with these kids and they're eating the planet. And me, <laughs> there's something right about me listening yeah. to the force. <laughs> oh, man. They're eating the planet. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – I – We'll get around to the power and all that. There's a pretty interesting concept, and there's some kind of parallels you could draw to the real world. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Obi-Wan's relationship, I was just kind of shocked in the beginning to see how disconnected from the Force he was. Because you mentioned, Eric, yeah. that you know, he's, he gets a, a, he's a very different person in The Phantom Menace than he is in this book. And he's 16 yeah. years yeah. old, like we mentioned. So. You know, I would think of a 16-year-old, even Padawan, as not having trouble with some of the things that we view as very basic, at least within the Force, light meditation. But what's interesting is how often he talked about how the physical aspects, using the Force to do what he wants, was easy. Right? Like the pushing, the pulling, the jumping, that wasn't a problem. It was listening to the Force. Just sitting, being quiet, that's what he was bad at. Yeah, which is not, that's not stuff that you, like, usually attribute to obi-wan right like he's usually kind of like the wise master very in tune with the force so mm-hmm. i thought it was kind of refreshing to see this sort of childlike angle of you know not really understanding what he's supposed to be doing and like i, I don't know i guess it, my question i guess with the way that this was presented is i wonder if obi-wan could have grown like without this experience right could he would he have ever mm-hmm. found because there was very much this sort of almost manipulation by Qui-Gon and stuff to, like, yeah. you know, make him find it on his own, which I don't know if necessarily is the right call. It's, it's almost like parenting, right? Like, you just yeah. let your kid, you know, figure everything out on their own. Is it more valuable if you experience that way, or is it is it okay to, to show them and stuff to some degree? So I, I don't know. It was very interesting to see that Obi-Wan had to go – sort of against what we see and know as as Obi-Wan, like, of the rule follower and, you know, the wise master that he is. Like, he had to go against that to kind of learn those lessons. It's very interesting to me, and it made for a fun story, for sure. Yeah. Brandon yeah. has a good point in the chat that uh, he thought this was one of the most YA, Star Wars YA books, because of the figuring it out, like, finding who you are themes. Like, that's such yeah. a prevalent thing in non-Star Wars YA. Like, the coming-of-age story is such an yeah. important thing, and, like, if you're if you if if I was 16 reading this book about 16 year old Obi Wan, I'm like pretty much guaranteed to be going through the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was that part of it is so prevalent because I think we're u- more used to the YA books, like you said, with Lost Stars or like Midnight Horizon or like the books lately that they're young, but they do still kind of have stuff more figured out and they are kind of more action based. Um, so I think this one was interesting in that way. And Corey, you know, you asked, would he have been able to figure this out without this? I think it's an interesting point, you know? I, th- I think that Qui-Gon as master, 
is always interesting because we always ask the question, what if he had been Anakin's master? Then it yeah. would have been fine. And after reading this book, I'm like, you know what? Maybe not. Because what not. if yeah. – I, I don't think you should let Anakin Skywalker just go off and do whatever he wants. I think that would have been pretty bad. You know, Anakin so, would have come back and been like, you're not mad? And he'd be like, no, you were always supposed to go off by, by yourself. And he'd be like – and I was supposed to kill all the Tuskens too. Quagga's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Oh, they, oh whoo! I was supposed to do that. Oh, okay, awesome. I was you're afraid that was going to be bad. You're never going to believe this. There were all these kids on this planet, and they had crashed there, and they were, like, screwing up the planet. So I just killed them all and solved the problem. Like, it was, yeah. Save the planet. We can, we can put a temple there now. To like, my great. new empire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I, was, I also killed the women and the children. Like, we're good. Oh, God. All right. It'll be- no, go ahead, Wes. I say Obi Wan's anxiety ran rampant all before he even made it uh, onto the ship to yeah, leave sure. to leave the yeah. planet. I mean, he was just don't they have like therapists at the Jedi Temple leaving? or something? Shit, man! They do. Like, we learned that we, we learned really that in the High Republic, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, what, was it a good idea for Qui Gon just to let him do that on his own? I think it was. I think it was important for him to kind of learn that on his own, but. The whole time he was like, "Oh my God, is Qui Gon even going to be there? Is, am I, is he going to be upset with me?" Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was just it was just eating away at him the entire book, and so yeah. um, Qui Gon being like, "Oh, I didn't even know you were really gone." Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else. Oh. he was like, "I love that." I love that. I kind of saved the lives of like. 20 people. I know. But, I, know. I love that uh, I love that Qui-Gon also uses like a subtle FU to the council too of like oh, oh yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't got to tell them. They don't need to know everything. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't need to know everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a cool dad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, we won't tell your mom like don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the anxieties you bring up was. I don't have this quote handy, but there was a a really nice quote about how Obi-Wan had no trouble connecting with the Force when he was a youngling or an initiate because yeah, uh-huh. like he expected it to work and then it was mm-hmm. kind of like the anxieties about the connection itself that ended up blocking that connection and sure. I, th- I think that was very relatable but so let's talk about Obi-Wan then we've talked about him at the at the temple and sort of all the things that were going into his struggle let's talk about him once he got uh, in with the Lenarans. so I have a few more quotes here page 140 Obi-Wan reached for a cable then, knowing such an unnecessary use of the Force would be considered excessive, even distasteful at the temple. He jumped straight off the ship, savoring the freedom of falling while knowing he would catch himself at the bottom. And on page 142, what if the Jedi were wrong, though? (laughs) That should be a bumper sticker. Uh, (laughs) What if they were all just fooling themselves that the Force was guiding them, listening and deciding for themselves what it was saying based on what they wanted to do anyway? What if there really was just power in how you used it? No, that line of thinking reeked of the dark side. And while there was definitely something off here, he'd seen Aj and the others. They cared for each other. They put each other's safety above their own. They didn't seem to move through the world with hate or greed or fear. And finally, page 145, he resolved to stop thinking about the code and the ways he was or wasn't following it. To stop thinking about Qui-Gon and what he would be doing in this situation. This was Obi-Wan's mystery, and he would solve it as he saw fit. So in your own words, what was it exactly that Obi-Wan discovered on Lenara that was so attractive to him? What was Odge. it that made him... <laughs> or, or Castle. <laughs> or, or Castle, castle honestly. Either one. Um, no, what, what was it that made him say, like, you know what? I think I could be happy just staying here. <clears throat> 
Uh, Corey, it sounds like you in Hawaii today. What? 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 <laughs> you just like what? I can just stay here. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. I think there was like he felt like he almost had a place, I guess, amongst the. It was very much of like what is it? What are they called in Peter? The Lost Boys. Was Lost it? Yeah, Boys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I was trying to think if that was hundred percent like Lost Boys and Peter Pan kind of thing, like a bunch of kids like running rampant, doing whatever they want. Like I don't know. He kind of like that is sort of this. I think I think it was appealing to him because it was kind of like the grass is always green on the other side a little bit of because he's kind of a rule follower and that sort of thing. So, uh, but I did I did find it very interesting that um, like he continually reflected on his life without the Jedi Order. That was fascinating to me. Um, of that he was constantly thinking about not only is this like like are they going to kick me out, but like maybe my life would be okay without the Jedi Order, which is something that Anakin was unable to do. So like. I really liked that uh, that they went there with that. Like that Obi Wan also had those same struggles, which is even more. It makes the story even more beautiful with Anakin because, like, mm-hmm. maybe Obi Wan mm-hmm. would have understood if Anakin had gone to him. Like we've constantly said that that like, yeah, you know, this story would have been different if Anakin would have would have you know relied on his support system better, right? And it seems that you know the lesson we're getting here is Obi Wan also went through the same struggles and. I think a lot of Jedi probably do, and Anakin felt very isolated because he had those feelings himself. But that's such an adolescent thing that no it one is. else could yeah. possibly understand what I'm feeling. You know, yeah, yep. to feel very alone and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's ooh, Jacob. I love that in our chat. Uh, his I would have left if you said the word that Obi Wan says to Satine. Oh yeah, really hits yeah. a lot more uh-huh. now because like I think that Obi Wan. You know, we always talk about him as the consummate Jedi, right? Like, that's been the thing, is he's he is a Jedi in the dictionary, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi, but between this and the Satine thing, and I think how he feels about Anakin's training, like, I think that he is always kind of on the lookout, like, is there a better option for me? Possibly, yeah. you know? Can I just be happy that, like, the planet is ringing with the Force? Um, I mean, Coruscant is loud and noisy, and there's people, but, like, the, there's almost no nature, there's almost no huge Force connection, right? But he could just live on this planet with these people that are taking care of each other and love each other and, you know. Or he could go back to, like, people messing with him and putting stuff in his food and, and thinking that he's failing all his classes. Like, it, I, I, it, it read to me it read to me like a person that's in their first semester of college and they're having a rough time, first time away from home, and they're like, ah, can I just leave? Like, this is hard. I feel isolated. I don't know what I'm doing. And then you go and hang out with people that accept you and love you for the first time, and it is such an unnatural feeling. Um, and I think Obi-Wan yeah. sees that door, and he doesn't take it here. And then he sees that door going with Satine, and he doesn't take it there. And I think, I wonder if during his isolation, during all the years on Tatooine, how often does he remember these two points and been like, man, if I would have just taken one of those, either stayed on Lenara, dated with Satine, would it have been better? Mm. That that leads me to think: Are those instances, are those adventures that he did? Say this one in Padawan, the one with Satine. Um, did that help make him the quintessential Jedi that we think of as a symbol of a symbol of the Jedi? Right. Oh, so sure. He he's had these experiences, and he's like, you know, I could have gone off here, I could have gone off there, I could have taken my own path, um, but I ended up staying true to myself listening to the force and helping the younger generation hopefully succeed 
in the Jedi versus Sith Ultimate Battle. Yeah. yeah. Is he a better Jedi? I don't know why I said it like that. That was great, Wes. Say <laughs> everything like that. <laughs> but yeah, is he a better Jedi for having walked away from these other options and other experiences? I'd say yeah. yeah. I think that's Just a... questioning himself. Yeah. Like in all those instances. Yeah. So. Wait, I think that's a key thing in life, too. I think that YA novels really touch on this a lot. Like, you're going to have different paths, and you're going to try different things, and but every path you take always brings you to where you're supposed to be, right? That's like the idea of, of life, is that you are who you are because of all your past experiences. And I, I agree that I think Obi-Wan realizes that. And in the darker times, you think, ugh, it's dark because of these paths I took. Or in the light times, it's like, oh, great. Everything I took got me here. So I think it varies. <laughs> yeah. Well... Let's look at a few more quotes about kind of Obi-Wan's uncertainty. From page 234, Obi-Wan looked directly at the gulf of terror inside himself and let it wash over him as he settled on what his fears meant at their core. Obi-Wan cared. He cared so much. He cared about the Jedi Order. He cared about the people in it. He cared about its history, about its rules, about its traditions. Even more than that, he cared about the Force and everything it touched. He cared about all life in the galaxy, including this strange planet and everyone and everything on it. Later on page 299, Obi-Wan says, I truly believe the Force led me to you and Lenara, even when I didn't understand it. I used to think being a Jedi Knight was my only goal and purpose, but that's not quite right. The true purpose of my life is to be a servant of the Force. If that's no longer possible as a Jedi, then so be it. I'll find other ways to help. And then uh, earlier in the book, page 86, the scenario that made it hard to catch his breath that felt like a weight on his chest would be arriving home and discovering that absolutely no one had noticed or cared that he was gone. Having so little importance in the order, so little presence in the force, that he was neither missed nor even thought of when absent. The Jedi Order would be fine without him, but who was he without them? So it's interesting. He actually talks about how you can be a servant uh, to the force and not Mm -hmm. be a Jedi, which is something that we kind of seen talked about in the same way. If you're a servant of the force, you are a Jedi. He kind of... He, he rebukes that a little bit, and then he actually says, who is he without the Jedi Order? And there's your prompt right there. I mean, what did this book show us about who is yeah. Obi-Wan without the Order? And it, how does he show us that? I mean, that's, that's kind of a crux in tons of YA novels, right? And I feel like we keep coming back to that um, because this book is just so... Why a trope heavy and not in a negative yeah. way it just really fits that i think more than a lot of books mm-hmm. we've read of i had a community and now will they care i'm gone obviously the most stereotypical one is i graduated high school now what do i do that's every ya novel right it's the summer after graduation and i was a senior and i had friends and now will they even remember me when i go to college and i think that obi-wan essentially has that here he's realizing even though the kids have been throwing food in my face or pranking me even though Qui-Gon has maybe kind of abandoned me from time to time since he was had living memory he has been in the Jedi Temple he has been in the Jedi Order it has been a a constant thing he didn't have to worry about his life path worry about any choices because he was a Jedi he was going to be a Jedi that was it and I think this was one of the most identifiable parts of this book for me was the you know who am I without my support systems without my community and I think there's a lot of fear in leaving a community like that. Um, whether that be 
a group of friends from when you were younger or when it, it happens to be, you know, another kind of organization. Like, it takes a lot of strength to say, I am willing to leave this for a better opportunity, but there's also a lot of fear in it. So, uh, long, <laughs> there's a roundabout way of saying that I think that Obi-Wan is finally looking at the Jedi Order objectively for the first time in his life <laughs> on Lenara. And I think he's like, I think I could be okay without them. But by the end of the novel, he says, but I choose not to. I choose to go back because I think this is still my path. Yeah, what a difficult thing to even think about is when I leave, did anybody notice I was gone? Yeah. That's a, like, that's a, that's that a haunts thing. me, man. <laughs> when people me. talk about their legacy and, like, when I die, is anybody going to remember me in 10 years or whatever, even if, like, a year after? Like, did you leave a lasting legacy? And to think that, like, that early on in his Jedi career is – that's very adult I'm of gonna him. I'm going to start disassociating though, right now, you know, I swear to God. About, <laughs> <like>. It's very <laughs> adult of him, even though he's a little immature um, in, his, in his Jedi teaching so far. So I thought that was – that's tough. That's a tough thing to say. Yeah, it seriously is. You know? Especially in a... <laughs> yeah. Well, we should probably uh, take a hard right because now I'm, <laughs> a lot of my own anxieties are starting to manifest. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon because I think a lot of those anxieties, a lot of those thoughts, would anyone notice if I was gone, stemmed from this relationship with Qui-Gon because he didn't yeah. feel close to Qui-Gon, right? He was abandoned. He got stood up. He got stood up. My man got stood up at the ship. Yeah. So... On page six, Obi-Wan's stomach sank. Was he the source of Qui-Gon's troubles? It seemed like the majority of their training was spent in meditation. The other Padawans were frequently out on missions serving the Republic, helping the galaxy. Was it Obi-Wan's fault that he wasn't ready? That Qui-Gon seemed content to remain on Coruscant meditating? But maybe it wasn't that Qui-Gon was content. Maybe it was that he was troubled by Obi-Wan, worried that his Padawan wasn't actually ready for anything outside the protection of the temple. Obi-Wan was trying to be the best Padawan. He was trying so hard. But guessing what would impress and please the gentle, unflappable Master Qui-Gon Jinn was almost impossible. Obi-Wan couldn't pass a test if he didn't even know what he was being tested on. Mm. On page 8, his stomach twisted with the increasing certainty that the source of Qui-Gon's troubles was, in fact, Obi-Wan himself. He was failing as a Padawan. And page 35, sometimes he wondered why Qui-Gon ever took him on as a Padawan. It wasn't required of Jedi Knights. When they did choose an initiate after the trials, they were always guided by the Force. What had guided Qui-Gon to Obi-Wan? His friends and their masters all made sense together. It seemed to him that he and Qui-Gon had almost nothing in common. And we actually know, of course, that Qui-Gon didn't choose Obi-Wan. Yoda apparently chose Obi-Wan for him. And that idea was explored in this book. But what I'm kind of getting at and driving at here is we've seen a lot of master and apprentice relationships throughout Star Wars. And oftentimes the two have very different personalities and very different approaches to being Jedi. Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon are no different. So what qualities or lessons of Qui-Gon do you see manifest in Obi-Wan, both in this book when he gets to Lenara and as we see him later in the saga once he's a master to Anakin? That's a fantastic mm. question. Honestly, I think Obi-Wan has a a healthy distrust of the Jedi Order, maybe is the right word to put mm -hmm. it. Like, 
Like he picked up a little bit of that. Like not not enough. Not not so much that he just like is totally defiant of the order like Qui Gon is because Obi Wan does, I think, sort of see the the point of view of you know the Jedi Order a little more than uh, than Qui Gon ever did. But like we get a little bit of that of that distrust where he's not not really afraid to to go against what the Jedi does or stands for, and you know that is certainly in Anakin, right? But like. Like I feel like we get a little bit of that. Uh, I don't know. Almost willing to like listen to the Force rather than you know the the Council kind of attitude a little bit, and that's been explored more and more. I think through canon, right? We had we had that heavily featured in Master and Apprentice, you know, of like, mm-hmm. Obi Wan trying to discover what what it means to follow the rules, kind of right. And he's a little older in that, so I, I don't know. I think we. I think I think in a lot of ways, Qui Gon was the perfect master for Obi Wan, and I wonder if that's really why. If I wonder if if Obi Wan's ability to be introspective is because of of Qui Gon, like would would he have done as well as a Padawan if he had somebody like a little more, I don't know, action oriented, like Mace Windu or something? Like would he be different? Like probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would probably yeah. not be the as much of a negotiator as he is. Hmm. It's wild to read those quotes hear those quotes all in order here, Charles. I love how you organize them. Because I didn't realize, I think, as I was reading, how much... And I do mean this in all sincerity. It'll sound like a bit, but I do mean this sincerely. Like, Obi-Wan's Padawan ship sounds almost kind of like an unplanned pregnancy. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, of the, I didn't really want to be your master. I didn't really plan for it. Other people told me I should probably do it. And then... The Apprentice is now like, am I the source of distress of my master? Did they ever want me? Was I, I was an accident. It, like, there's just so many things here that I think are, one, super, super relatable. I think that master and apprentice relationships are just as fraught as parent-child relationships. Uh, not that anyone's ever had uh, concerns about their parent and has affected them psychologically. Um, <laughs> I love you, Mom and Dad. You're on Patreon. Um uh, also, my mom listens to these shows, and I love you very much. But I do think that it's interesting to, like, realize that burden on a 16-year-old in this book. And whether the lessons Qui-Gon was teaching him were better or not, I think, in this particular book at least, from my point of view, those were almost overshadowed by, by Obi-Wan's questioning of his purpose and if he's wanted or not. And I think that... In this particular case, whether it was Qui-Gon, whether it was Mace, whether it was Yoda, I think that more so than the actual teachings about meditation, I think Obi-Wan is clearly at this stage of his life being way more affected on whether he was wanted 16 years ago or not, or wanted how many, many years ago he got assigned. I think that that trauma clearly hadn't healed just yet. And Mm, at the end of the book, we see it healing a little bit, but I think that that's part of the problem. And I I mean... It's also so poetic that Anakin is similarly thrust onto Obi-Wan. And so that trauma Mm. never actually heals because it just transfers to Anakin, who's only wanted in his entire life by Shmi and Padme. Why didn't Obi-Wan take a Padawan during the Clone Wars? That is an interesting question that I've hmm. never considered because Anakin did mm-hmm. not have to be Obi Wan's yeah, only I... Padawan. I mean, maybe he just maybe it was common for Jedi to take 
you know, some some time off between relationships, Sabbatical, you know? As it were. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Can't get right you back know? on Hinge there. I just want to focus on me right now, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Question. It's interesting because uh, it seems like a lot of Jedi were kind of were forced to take Padawans. Anakin did for, you know, which is funny. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Like. yeah. Sorry to take us yeah. off rails there. A little no, bit. I no, never no, thought about but it. it. But it brings up the question about that, you know, about like the the perp, like some masters are really just ready to have Padawans. But also Yoda is like, hey, you should have a Padawan. It's like, bro, Yoda, you haven't had a Padawan since Dooku, my guy. Like maybe it's your turn to maybe grab another. But it's, yeah, sure. It, 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 it is such no a skills. very interesting thing. The intentionality of, of apprentices is something that I think I haven't realized this deeply since this book. And it really seems to hit hard in a way that is uh, a lot more relatable to a lot of readers, I think, um, in their own lives. And I think that's yeah. kind of when books are at their best. Yeah. I would have been just as frustrated as Obi-Wan felt if I was trying to... And essentially, it felt to me like he was trying to show his worth and trying to impress Qui-Gon in a way that would have bring Qui-Gon to an epiphany. Like, wow, <laughs> this is, this is the, the exact match that I should have been with. Mm-hmm. And but he like not knowing what he's being tested on. I hate that. Like not knowing what somebody wants, yeah. and you're and then you try <laughs> your hardest to go, and you go in one route, and that's the completely wrong route. Yeah, you right. shouldn't have done it that way. And they're just yeah. like, oh. But you learn from him. I think in this book particularly by just taking off and going on that mission yeah, alone. Sure. I mean, yeah. that's just that little bit from Qui Gon that was embedded into him. He was like, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah, thanks for st- standing me up, like you said, Charles. Yeah, what does this mean? What do you think it means? No, <laughs> <laughs> just tell me the answers. <laughs> oh man, I would not have gotten along with with Qui Gon literally at all. I would have hated him. No. Like, concrete answers. I know it's yeah. totally the opposite of what I want all the time. Yeah. Well, let's. Hey, hey Qui Gon, where do you want to go to eat? Hmm. What do you think? What do you feel? <laughs> like, bro? Just, you want tacos? Just no, not, it's not that. I don't know what it is, but it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's meditate on it. <laughs> Indecisive Qui-Gon is like a meme from like 2007 or something. <laughs> All right, well, let's move from the character section on to some overarching questions. And we've actually talked a little bit about this prompt already, so I just kind of want you guys to reiterate a few things, and I want to point something out. This book introduces us, again, to the youngest, at least novel, canon, canon, novel, there we go, Obi-Wan that we've ever seen. So did this 16-year-old Obi-Wan, or was he, rather, where you expected to find him in his journey, considering he's only a handful of years away from, you know, the Jedi Trials facing down Darth Maul, yeah, a lot right. of the things that we see in The Phantom Menace. Because to remind you, and I, and I checked this against the Utini timeline, this book... Oh, the best timeline on the internet? Exactly, that's the one. That's the one, the Utini timeline. <laughs> um, Padawan, is, it takes place 42 to 40 BBY. Master and Apprentice, if you've read that, is 39 BBY. And then Phantom Menace is 32. So we're only maybe a year out from Master and Apprentice, where I think he reads differently. And then yeah. only about eight years out from when he cuts Darth Maul in half. Spoiler alert. Yes. I think that we were talking about this a little bit before the show. And I think that 
sometimes YA books feel maybe like they misage characters a little bit, if that's the right word. Because mm-hmm. six, he felt a little young to be sixteen to me. I think like yeah. in this in this book, I think that's a fair judgment of. He felt more like. 14 or 13 like then he did 16 right like because mm-hmm. make a good point this is really yeah. only a year earlier than master and apprentice he felt older i think in master and apprentice i think a lot yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you can grow a lot from 16 to 17 i'm not really saying you can't but like i don't know it didn't really quite feel like 16 to me like he was asking questions like we haven't talked about this actually. The uh, the quote unquote controversial scene in the book. We haven't brought this up yet, right? Like, no, we haven't a, yet. There's a there's a scene where like, uh, what's his name? What's his Castle? 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 Ca- yes, Castle makes like he kind of like makes a, a joke about like kissing Obi Wan or something like that. And there was a, mm-hmm. a small section of the internet, which is the worst section of the Star Wars internet, that were really angry about this. Like, oh, Obi-Wan's bi now. He's never been bisexual before. I'm like, like we somebody brought this up in Slack last week, actually, on our team of like, is this the scene that people are talking about? Because this <laughs> doesn't, one, it doesn't even read like that. So I don't know what the mm-hmm. hell everyone's mad about. And two, this was like a tiny, tiny thing. Like, so... Anyway, yeah. as as always, they probably didn't even read the book. They probably just heard that yeah, happened, probably true. and then just yeah. blew well, up out of and, nowhere. Yeah, I was wondering Jacob's Jacob's comment in the chat is exactly what we all discussed. Like he's he is questioning his sexuality as a growing adolescent who has been only around middle aged people giving him homework for yes, sixteen exactly. years. Yeah, yeah. And now and, he's like, oh, I can kiss people. Can I kiss them? Maybe. And, and he's exactly. questioning it. And you know what? You know what corner of the internet? If he is forever more bisexual from here on out okay great or he's who just cares? like i don't know who cares the, i can the, kiss people the <laughs> like, jedi are basically asexual anyway so like what difference exactly. is it exactly except for rail that was ridiculous except that rail have sex real avaros real avaros is pansexual he'll have sex with anyone and pans it don't matter man real Rail get railed avaros uh, get ra- <laughs> yeah. We did it, vacation, everybody. <laughs> Jose, oh, make dear. the T-shirt. Oh, make difficulties. the T-shirt. Anyway, the reason I the reason I brought up that tiny, insignificant scene in the book is because I don't think you know. With with medical experience speaking here, children don't have those questions at sixteen. They have them much younger than that. So, like. Yeah. Uh, it felt a little weird that he's 16 years old and been like, "Oh, I'm thinking about maybe having a first kiss." Like that's not a 16 year old thing. That's like a that's like a 12 year old thing or a 13 or a 14 year old thing. So I felt like that one specific scene kind of highlights like, you know, maybe that he seemed a little younger in the book than 16, maybe. So you know, I think that frequently happens in media in general, right? We have 30 year olds playing high school kids in in TV shows all the time, right? So <laughs> yeah. like. It is somewhat <laughs> it's not that big of a deal to me. It's not really something to get hung up with at all. Like, you know, Luke doesn't act like a nineteen year old in episode four. I mean he acts like a freaking ten year old sometimes. So sure. like right. you know, what difference does it make? But it is an interesting question. Is does it does it sort of fit the timeline, I guess is what you're asking, Charles? Is like yeah. does yeah. it fit the timeline? And I felt like maybe not at times. Sometimes yes, mm-hmm. but maybe not quite at times. But at the end of the day that's yeah. somewhat irrelevant. Sure. If, yeah. if if we got if we got another book like tomorrow and he's fifteen year old in the book and he's way more mature than that, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> it's a great point. And I and I think that like the I will be honest, like 
similarly, the Master and Apprentice timeline does trip me just because I didn't realize that was so close. That's very close. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, but I didn't like, that uh, for for who he is in this story, the character is at least it does work. For me, does it work better if he's fourteen, thirteen? <clears throat> Absolutely. But at the same time, like, it, it was it was the the youngest canonically we can get. And I'm glad that he didn't start off super mature and get immature or start off super mature and make a giant leap in, within the same book. Yeah. So it was, like, here's at a, least here, consistent here's another, within the story. Here's another in-book, like, context clue that kind of made it seem. The way that he talked about Ilum and going through the – what was it called again? The the ceremony thing? The uh, – the, uh, the wandering, the gathering, uh, the, ga- the gathering, gathering, yeah, yeah, gathering. Like a, yeah, yeah. It, the way he talked about the gathering made it seem maybe it was more recent than like it would have been because they're very young in that, right? Like aren't yeah, they like, like eight or ten or, or like eleven or something like that? And that he talked most, about that like it yeah. was like you know last year, or a year or two ago, right? Yeah. But that would I mean we're like what five or six yeah. years out, so I don't know. That was that was sort of odd to me too. That True. that, that yeah. was another context clue that kind of told us his age, but maybe he didn't quite. Yeah. Just a bit know. young. Yeah, Yeah. Well, let's move away from Obi-Wan for a few minutes here, and let's talk about Lenara, like the planet Lenara, because this was a very unique aspect of this book. I'm just going to read you one quote. I had more, but just to save time, page 293, this was when the planet finally was like, everyone, get out. It was, they were cutting (laughs) the lights on, you know, it was... I'm done with you. Connected now, he felt the incredible network of lightning forming around the whole of the planet. It wasn't a temporary storm this time. Lenara was sealing itself away, protected against those who might harm its life forever. So straight up, guys, we got a sentient planet with more or less consumable force. Like, we got force lunchables, y'all. We got force (laughs) snack packs in this book. That's what we need to pitch this book as, man. The Lunchable book. Did this feel really out there, or did it feel like it fit well into the Star Wars galaxy? Mm -hmm. And just tell me how you kind of approach this planet that thought for itself and the Force Lunchables. Uh, I dug it, first of all. I I was a big fan. Yep, same. Big fan. Um, Really clever idea that I've not really seen done before, I don't think. Is this original? Can you guys think of anything similar, maybe? Not to this level. Like, planets no, have been imbued with the Force before. Planets yeah. have, like, had sentience before. Like, that right. stuff's happened all the time. But right. the Dagobah balls, is like, fairly similar, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, like and I think if, Jared said there was one in Legends that was, like, very Jacob in the ideally. chat just said Yoda's Secret War did a very similar thing. It was modeled after Lord of the, Lord of the Flies story-wise. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but this flies. was pretty unique as far as the, yes. this. You eat this thing, the and you get a certain amount of. It's like it's like a video game. You get a certain bar of force energy, yeah. and then you use it up. It felt kind of. I really like something that I think is definitely unique that we saw here. That I, I can't think of anything that's even kind of like this in Star Wars. Is that the animals were involved? That was very clever. That was like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It felt very yeah. like Stranger Things esque. Right? Were you guys picturing like the Demodogs from Stranger oh, Things? Oh sure, yeah. I was the whole time. Now like, I that's am. What, <laughs> that's, that's what I was like. Uh, they just sort of – I love that. Like, there was that scene where they're like, why is it so quiet? And then all the animals are, like, gathered around, like, the, yeah. like, the scar <laughs> or whatever. I thought it was pretty clever. I would love to see – this might really be an interesting idea to, like, do with with Ac- Ac- Acto. Is that you say it? Acto? The, the point the, – you know, the island Octo. Luke. Octo. Yeah. Octo. yeah, the island Luke goes to because it has a little bit of that <laughs> nature to it a little bit. Like, I was picturing that – dark side hole <laughs> that yes! Ray had in her vision yes! as, the, yeah. as the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then yeah. there was the mirrors thing. Like 
I don't know. It's weird, trippy force stuff. I was a, I was a big fan. It's very Star Wars on brand there, so uh-huh. it, yeah. I, that's why I loved it. So it's like you know how you can say stuff is very legendsy. Uh-huh. This is very yep. Star Warsy. Yeah, very I totally Star- yeah. I appreciated that. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And I think that's where I am with like the. Did it feel like it was Star Wars? Yeah. This planet absolutely fits in it. It's not the weirdest one we've gotten. It's not the most normal one we've gotten. I think as far as it being a character, in the planet being a character, I think it was a really fun thing. I, I wish we got a little more early, but I really like where it went. <laughs> okay. How dare you, Brandon? Dark side hole that. does sound dirty. We're sorry about it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Uh, All right, well. I also wanted to ask you really quick before we move off of the planet thing. Yeah, what yeah. did you guys? Because I, I made this joke before we came on. And I wanted to bring it up on the show. Yeah. Like, what did you guys picture as the the orbs that they plopped into their mouth to like get the force power? Because that is hilarious to me. They can eat like what do you think? What like jelly like? gobstoppers? What did they? I feel taste? like they're like jelly like like or like boba, like in boba tea. Like you got a couple of those, but bigger. I was thinking like pickled eggs. I was pickled too. <laughs> pickled, yeah. glowing yeah, yeah. blue pickled eggs. When a hundred percent, what was in my head? That is hilarious. <laughs> or, or you know what I thought? Uh, uh, the, uh, Which the, do give you energy. All right, it's <laughs> a protein. True. It gives you energy. If you're tired, you haven't eaten all day. I mean, it'll give you a quick pick. But Obi Wan knew they were bad. That's why they're called deviled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I will also say the uh, the eggs that Grogu oh. was, was was sucking in, in the Mandalorian, those glowing orbs. Like yes. I feel like that was yeah. pretty similar. The frog to babies, yeah, exactly. the frog yeah. babies, frog yeah. babies. That was definitely <laughs> evil. I've not great. Had, I've never had a pickled egg. It's not related, but you know, I just thought I'd bring that up. Oh, maybe you should try it. Maybe Treat you'll jump further. And, and Don't why? the planet will kill you, Corey? <laughs> I'll jump I higher. <laughs> I hear they have Chick Fil A and Target in Hawaii. I'm sure they have a grocery store. <laughs> Dude, I'm not gonna go buy pickled eggs. eggs. Oh my god, I'll be sick for like days if it doesn't work out. That's so it's gonna funny, be four man. bucks. Four bucks an egg. You're there for a month. You can pickle them yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh well, let, let's talk a little bit about what those pickled eggs did for the locals on Lenardo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for the locals. <laughs> I love it. Put that show. Great on page, segue. On page 237, the people here didn't have to be parasites, sucking life from Lenara and giving nothing back. If they could let go, if they could give up consuming the power, the planet would sustain them as it sustained everything else. But because they treated this miraculous planet like an adversary to be fought, that was what it had become. It mirrored their energy right back at them. On page 256, Last of all was Oj, cupping the power she had desperately clung to in order to keep her people safe. The power her parents had bequeathed to her and taught her was both her right and heritage, her only hope for survival. She stared down into the globe, it took a deep breath, and released it. On page 262, Low Grib, it's the best villain name I've heard in quite a while, Low Grib. <laughs> says, good. Everyone yeah. in the galaxy wants what the Jedi have, and the Jedi will do anything to keep it to themselves. Even my employer wants our power to be able to combat them. But it's not for him or for the Jedi or anyone else. The power on Lenara is mine. And lastly, on page 162, this is about the Force. Imagine giving it up, Zabri said. Imagine mm-hmm. being cut off from it forever. In all his agonized indecision, he hadn't considered that. Because even if he wasn't a Jedi, he would still be connected to the Force. Whatever else he might question, he knew the Force was a part of him. And much as it tormented and frustrated him, much as he struggled to connect with it, the idea of reaching for it and having it just be gone, that was too terrible to imagine. Worse by far than the idea of not ever becoming a Jedi Knight. 
So is the Lenaren dependence on the power understandable to you? And maybe a better way to ask you that directly, a good thought experiment, if you yourself had access to a pickled egg from Hawaii that would give you Jedi powers but cut your lifetime to a quarter, would you use it? Would you eat it? You're just, you're just describing recreational drugs, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, straight up. Like, this is just like... Now be careful how you answer everyone. Methamphetamine, <laughs> methamphetamine, like seriously, like you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can use it and you can jump higher, but like yeah. you know, you're probably going to die a little sooner. So, as long as you microdose <laughs> and keep it within within levels. Did they try I just eating it, taking a bite levels. out of the power? Or did exactly. the, the planet mad about that? I will say, this is also interesting because I'll put even a second like little addendum onto this. In this particular case, your parents also also told you that you gotta take this meth. Like exactly. that yeah. that's the thing. Like from the times you've been born, you've been told that you gotta take this coke gives you superpowers. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'll I'll answer the first part, Charles, and then I want to hear what you guys say. Like the dependence on the power, absolutely, <clears throat> I get it. I think that it makes complete sense. They've been raised that this is the way they gotta do it. Their parents did it. It makes them feel incredible. Like I. It makes complete sense. And I, I do give Obi-Wan credit for at least understanding a little bit of that. Like, he obviously tells them, what are you doing? You should stop. But he's not like, why are you doing this? I can't imagine why. Like, it's it's completely understandable yeah. that you if you stop this, you will kind of be, quote unquote, normal. And you mm-hmm. will also be kind of betraying the will of your dead parents. Like, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all they've ever known. Yeah. They've learned that like that is the way to live, and going away from that is unheard of. Yes. Right? So I mean, you put very it very hard. You put it perfectly, Eric. There's no other way. I mean, they were. Yes, I yes. understand that taking steroids will make me stronger. <laughs> but <laughs> if I stop taking the steroids, will I not be on varsity? That's I mean, right. I want really. No, I got to be on you varsity. You stop taking steroids, <laughs> West, and baseball will be boring for a decade. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I also, you know, I had, to, I had a thought just now while you guys were talking about that, like uh, that this would be a really fun idea to explore from like the Sith angle, I think, of like Ooh. like the Sith maybe discover a planet like this where they can abuse it and take its power, like, and how that could like huh. you know, affect a society like that is based on it. That would be really clever. I don't Isn't know. There a guy that took, the, took the power. Yeah. Took the power from Ilum, right? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah right, used right, it to right. Kill everything. Yeah, exactly. There's that a, kind of idea. There's a little resemblance. That'd be clever. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I also wouldn't do it. I was here for the second part of that. No, like, because one, I'm 30 right now. I'd be dead. So like, I'm but not imagine dead. all you could have uh, accomplished. Oh yeah. <laughs> I do every day, Charles. Thank you. Um, <laughs> these dumb <laughs> kids didn't do anything except eat fruit and like jump around in trees like Tarzan. So it's not like they were like curing cancer. Or Sounds something, like a so. happy life to me, man. <laughs> I, 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 hey, here's the thing, man. I can assure you. I can assure you. If you want nothing else than to do drugs and jump around in trees, there's somewhere on the world that that can be your life. All right. <laughs> How many? Wait a minute. I'll die when I'm 25. But I'm. Yeah. Yeah. You're. Sorry. If you had told you me work. when I was seven that, hey, listen, here's the deal, man. You're seven years old right now. You'll be a superhero until you're 30. You have yeah, no man. worries about it. And then it's over. There's it's nothing like, stopping know. you from selling everything you own, putting all that money in cocaine, and, like, going to the rainforest. Oh, God, reel it fun. in. Reel it back and in. And that's the clip, everyone. <laughs> that's reel the clip. Reel it back in. <laughs> 
No, I like that you brought that point up, though, Eric, because these are You've kids. been in Hawaii for a day, my guy. <laughs> yeah, Corey's feeling loose. But you're right. These are kids. And if you present that whole red pill, blue pill, or whatever debate you know, to a child, that's a very different right. question than it yeah. is for us at this point in life. So... Anyways, don't ask me. Yeah, what we are adults are here. By the way, see my new Lego that I built this week. <laughs> there it is. So, so I had a couple more quotes here that, uh, or or a couple more prompts rather that I was gonna maybe skip for time, but I I really want to ask you guys at least yeah, just this last one, one part. Let's go. So, page sixty-two years of a cute uh, quote for you. He realized with a burst of startled laughter what exactly was wrong. This was the first time he'd ever been alone, truly alone. Sure, he'd been separated from his group while finding his kyber crystal, and yes, he meditated alone, or at least tried to, but even then, there had been other people in reach. Someone at the other end of a comm, or behind a door, or across a hall. Someone at the end of his journey waiting for him. Now, Obi-Wan was on his own. On page 116, he's talking about the Lenarans, and he says, Even though no one here had parents, it was clear they were a family. It made Obi-Wan miss the closeness of his own youngling initiate clan. No wonder he felt a little lost and more than a little alone. After they had passed their trials, they separated, assigned to different Jedi. He'd lost his clan, his Padawan friends were all busy, and the most important bond he had was supposed to be with a Jedi he could, who couldn't even bother to show up when he promised he would, a Jedi who had never wanted to train him in the first place. And then finally, page 136, even though he was far from home and not where he should be, at that moment, Obi-Wan couldn't help feeling like he was exactly where he wanted to be. So this book really highlighted for me, more so than maybe ever before, how the Jedi take in these younglings, introduce them into a new family-like environment, and then they take that away as well. And so what were your thoughts on hearing how close Obi-Wan was to the rest of the Gryffindors in his clan, if you will, <laughs> and, and how he was forced to give that up uh, if he was going to become the thing he was supposed to become? It's familiar, I think, is the saddest answer of that. I, th- I think it, re- it reminded me of going to college, honestly. It reminded me of, like, being going to this place away from family and being like, I'm going to live within f- feet of my best friends in the universe for years. And then it's like, all right, go do the thing. Separate. And it's like, and that was for four years, much less the most formative mm-hmm. years. And I think it is familiar but it's also thinking of going through that process at 16, 17, it made me realize how hard that is and how much respect I think I now have for Jedi and Star Wars that are able to do it and are able to be masters and are able to do all these things and be fully formed because you have – because um, – what is it? Is it the Yoda quote? Like the force is my ally, right? I think that's where you got to get to is that mm-hmm. you got to be okay with losing the physical proximity because if you're keyed into the Force, truly keyed into the Force, then you are never far away from anyone, right? Like, but, like what Chirrut says to Baze, like, look to the Force, you'll always find me, right? Like, if you actually are keyed into everyone you love in the Force, then you're good, but if you're not, that probably freaking sucks, man. Like, that's probably really hard. It is. It is a lesson in growing up, right? So you can't... I mean, you can, but um, a lot of people will have 
grow up with a core group of friends and you go through school or, you know, Jedi training and then you branch out and you start learning something new based on different points of view. You move for a job, you move for family. Um, so I think once you get to that point where he is almost trained up as a, as a Padawan and everybody kind of breaks off and he, he uses, loses his core group of friends, he's taking that next step in learning various points of view, new adventures. There's there's more to that small core group than than what he initially is learning. So yeah. I think it's just all a part of growing up, and that's one of the one of the great um, aspects of these young adult novels. Mm. Helps people understand. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm gonna just throw this last one at you quickly. Uh, there's a moment in this book where Obi Wan doesn't recognize Count Dooku. He's like silver hair, cape, deep voice. Maybe it's a senator. And he later figures out that it's Count Dooku, but it really I'm... it threw me off. I was, and it made me question. And I want to know what you guys think. How, yes. <laughs> how much insight <laughs> is there into Jedi lineage, for like lack of a better term? Like, do do Padawans not know much about their master's master? Do they not I, talk listen, and pass I on found these that, teachers? I found that entire scene to be very much out of place, frankly, because. Mm-hmm. Dooku was on the Jedi Council, right? This was said. Obi-Wan was in the Jedi while he was on the Council. Obi-Wan 100% would have recognized Dooku, like, and known who he was. So I thought that was very odd, out of place. Like, it didn't really add much to the plot, necessarily, that, like, Obi-Wan didn't recognize it. I don't know why they went there. That was sort of an odd decision, I I feel like. Yeah. I I agree. I think it's, like, it's not so much like, look at your grandpa, because... I think I do think some masters don't like show pictures, but I, but I do think. Look at, look at, look at this statue. But I, I do think in in this particular master case, um, I agree, Corey. I think that Dooku yeah. is enough of a figure that people know sure. uh-huh. who he is. It was a big deal. He's one yeah. of the only twenty lost. Like I, mean, I rarely have that kind of criticism about a Star Wars book. That like I think that was a, a bad decision. But g- legitimately, I I don't understand how this is possible like i don't think it is possible yeah i think it just might be a little bit of a a stretch of the imagination to achieve a storytelling point necessarily but yeah maybe wasn't really necessary and and frankly might not really be plausible in my opinion uh yeah right especially the way especially sorry to interrupt especially the way that uh especially the way that that obi-wan and dooku like talk later in in attack of the clones and stuff too of like Don't forget, I was once Qui-Gon's master just as he was yours. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. It was a stretch for me, for sure. Sorry, Wes. Go ahead. Could have been just a little hey, bit can of Can I interrupt you one more time? I'm <laughs> <laughs> it could have been just a little bit of, of symbolism and storytelling and yeah. putting, like, a, a, just a little bit of darkness <clears throat> over Dooku and what he will become yeah. later on. Yeah. Are, so. are, we, are we maybe remembering that incorrectly? Did he see him and not recognize him? Because... The point that I remember is that he heard his voice and didn't recognize his so voice. So he said he says he peered around the corner and caught sight of a tall black cloaked frame ahead of elegant silver hair disappearing through a hallway and he had also heard his voice previous to that. And he says yeah, maybe maybe, that maybe is, he was maybe a that is maybe that is subtle enough then that that's possible. Yeah. I, I mean I think the point was just for the drama for the audience cuz uh-huh. we know exactly who that is. So I mean story-wise it's it's a good decision. I think it's a fine decision, yeah. uh-huh. but yeah, if yeah. you ask yourself, man, wouldn't Obi-Wan have recognized him? I think probably. 
Anyways. But may- maybe not if it was just the back of his head, though. Like, as he's passing Corey, through. Corey, I yeah. would recognize the back of your head any day, my oh, friend. Oh, man, that means a lot to me because it's you, so you, clear. Really, you don't see that very often. You know, usually it's front-facing <laughs> camera, you know, like, it means a lot. Oh, <laughs> I will my. say, I went, when I when I first, and you'll, you might see this. The back the, of your head is ridiculous. <laughs> the, oh, my God, amazing. Uh, if you do, on our Patreon, you see the, the actual documentary, you might see me quite literally not recognize the back of Wes's head. It's true. <laughs> it literally is on camera. Like, is this Wes? <laughs> Could it be? It was hard. It's hard. Jacob right. just said in the chat, it was funny listening to the audiobook and getting the reveal a decent amount earlier because the narrator nailed his voice. Like, he must have, yeah, so you've got to do oh, his voice, sure. right? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. We didn't talk about that this time, actually. We forgot to mention how we digested this. I didn't listen to the audiobook this time. That's kind of unusual for oh, me. You yeah. Yeah, I read it on my Kindle because I read it on, right on the plane. So, you know, I'm all right. digital now, so I read it on that. Yep. I did th- this. This uh, this bad boy right here did the did the physical hardcover. Yeah. Yep. I'm, st- I'm still going strong audible wise. Yeah. Nice. 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 Yeah. And I'm physical copy every time. Except for this time because you lost the. Well, book. yeah, yeah, half of this. <laughs> Who loses a book that they're actively reading, Charles? <laughs> Listen, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> I thought this was a safe space to share. Home ownership uh, is tough, man. Charles' right, well, new house is so massive, guys. You just get- <laughs> I think it's somewhere down in the basement in the Bogan collection now. I'm not really sure. What, what happened to you, Charles? You used to be cool, and then you got money. Uh, I haven't gotten any money yet. But, all right. It's tough. Let's talk about some quick Easter eggs, connective tissue, random thoughts, as we always do. And there really aren't too many in this book. I think the YA books you know, tend to be a little bit lighter on them. But let's through, run through the ones that I found. On page one, page one, Demon Squid is mentioned. It was in Obi Wan's <laughs> Soup, if you remember that. You know, Demon the, oh, yeah. Squid. That was such an odd scene. To open I love that with. band. <clears throat> On the in the audiobook, you thought this was going to be like a a crazy like fight scene of this like they they, they really brought like really? built it up with the, the music, music and, and everything. That's and you're really like, funny. yeah, like and you're just like, eh, it's just done. It's just <laughs> awesome. Oh, it's just lunchtime. <laughs> just lunchtime with the yeah. Padawans. Yeah. <laughs> No, but it is. It's the Star Wars octopus. Look it up on Wikipedia. It's literally just a picture of an octopus. (laughs) And this is its first appearance in canon, actually, (laughs) though it was previously in several Legends books, including Mm. I Jedi, Corey. Including I Jedi. Interesting. We got there. We got there. On page 20. The authors are just continually trying to put I Jedi in everything canon. Eventually, the whole book is just going to be canon. It's going to be We Jedi. (laughs) On page 20. There's some High Republic representation. A quick search of Comac was also interesting, but he found himself drifting back to Orla. He felt a connection to her, to this Jedi who had come so long before him. Um, so that was cool, right? Just to get that Orla and Comac <laughs> shout out. And it makes so cool. probably all of us that are reading the High Republic a little bit more excited for that next book. That's right. We're getting mm-hmm. close, too, man. Coming right around the corner. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. On page 39, here's a quote for you. All Obi-Wan's hopes would be dashed like blocks of ice they had once snuck up and dropped from the top of the temple, shattering on the ground so many stories beneath, lost to the perpetual darkness of the lowest levels of Coruscant. Uh, it's not perpetual darkness down there. It's other people. So, like, <laughs> how do we know these Jedi didn't commit manslaughter and Obi-Wan's just fondly remembering oh my God. dropping ice blocks <laughs> off of the temple? That's oh, they're they're just the pores. Who cares? It really is. A, it shows the divide. Are they it? are they really people though, Joe? Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Jeez, <laughs> well, if they hadn't canceled thirteen thirteen, we'd know, wouldn't we? we? Would. 
it is, it is a testament to though maybe like such a subtle thing but it is a testament too of like the separation between you know the rest of Coruscant and the underbellies oh right? my yeah. god yeah wow I thought that was super messed up anyways <laughs> yeah page 41 Siri nodded. She and Obi-Wan had been close growing up, and he missed that closeness now. He missed all of them, really. They'd been a merry band of brats, as Yaddle had once muttered under her breath during a particularly raucous lesson. So, first of all, shout out to Yaddle. You had a real wait, MVP. Wait, Yaddle? You want to say Yaddle? Okay. Yaddle! First of all, y'all, of all, Jacob said this is the energy that led to the death of Martez's parents. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, that is the no. darkest thing you've ever said, The Martez Jacob. sisters. I have to- seen, though, there is a increase in the Yaddle representation in canon. There is. It's slowly creeping in. <clears throat> it is. I know. There is indeed. All right. Some of Obi-Wan's classmates. Yaddle. Uh, like Yaddle. <laughs> Yaddle. <laughs> you, we might have seen them before. There's one. I don't. Here we go. I don't know how to uh, pronounce these names, Eric. I only read the books. Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Pre, pri, p r i e. I don't know. For instance, previously mentioned in Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Oh, so that was okay. not a new classmate of Obi Wan's. Interesting. Um, Bala, who was playing the pranks on Obi Wan. Uh, he may not be a name that you necessarily remember off the bat, but I bet you remember him if you've watched the Clone Wars TV show because he's the Rodian who later served as the keeper of the holocron that had all the Force-sensitive children's oh identities on it. Oh, the one that they yeah. brutally tortured Cat to death and Bane kill killed on screen. that dude on screen. Yes. It's one of those yeah. violent scenes so, in all of the clones. So Bala got what was coming to him is what I'm saying <laughs> after that demon squid prank. <laughs> Holy smokes! Yeah. That is right the pool. Yeah. I did not recognize that. I know. And I then, can't believe. I still. I still can't believe that wasn't in. <laughs> that was in the Clone Wars. Like that was, was so. Dark. They electrocuted him to death. Wow. And it oh, yeah, that was brutal. We went, TV PG thirteen. Saw the light leave his eyes. TV fourteen or whatever. Dark as hell. Man. Yeah. It was rough. It was rough. Um, Siri was the other one. It's another Legends pull straight from Jude Watson's Jedi Apprentice series. And she'd already no been mentioned in canon. Actually, she was brought over to canon by Mackenzie Lee in the short story. There's always another from uh, from a certain point of view. And she actually appeared in Mike Chan's Brotherhood uh, a few short months ago. But oh, she sure. got some Who some is nice this? One of the other Padawans? Siri. Yeah. yeah. Siri. Siri. I remember that. Okay. Hey, Siri. Um, don't say that. Don't. <laughs> my my screen just goes blank. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, Sorry, everyone listening, listening to this out loud. <laughs> and the other Padawan, Alexa. No. Um, on, page, <laughs> on, on page fifty-two. <laughs> On page 52, an Ordolin is featured. And Ordolins were, this is the quote, Ordolins were, being, were known for being incredibly dexterous, employed as everything from mechanics to musicians, surgeons to artists. And so I feel like that's a nice nod to Max Rebo, who was an Ordolin, since they're talking about musicians. And we all know Max oh, Rebo's yeah. got a gig. <laughs> He's got a we gig. Got a gig! Oh, I love that. What chicken bit. <laughs> on page 55, a vector is shown. So some more High Republic love. I don't know if y'all caught yes. that. I did, not, I did not catch that. It's in the hangar. Um, on page 62, 
With a burst of excitement, Obi-Wan did a completely unnecessary barrel roll and then a loop just for the sake of it. Nothing could ever ruin flying for him, not when it felt like this. And that's multiple references <laughs> because let's yeah. try spinning, that's a good trick. And also is good foreshadowing for Master and Apprentice where we learn how Obi-Wan uh, grows to hate flying. <laughs> yeah. Can, can, we go, my can we go back for a second because we blew right past this? Did you say there was a vector in the hangar in the Jedi yeah. Temple? Yeah, there's Holy, a vector. That's kind in of the a hand. big deal, isn't it? That's like we've not yeah, seen. Fifty five. They said it was that. like a derelict ship, and I believe, uh, I believe it was a vector. Yeah, check holy, me. Check holy me. Holy smokes! No, that no, is I like, think you're right. I think I missed oh. it. That is quite the reference. If that's true, if there's still like ships and stuff from the higher. Oh my god! Obi Wan walked as casually as he could to Miba, who was bouncing and humming as she worked on an old vector, a model that was hardly used anymore. Mm-hmm. I remember that now. Wow, yeah. that is Yum. super cool, man. I, I'm I, getting. I, I would love to see uh, some of that stuff brought into modern canon somehow. Like, dude, for real. Yeah, I mean, I got cool. the X-wing and the and the Falcon on my arm right now. I, I, a vector might be my next tattoo, guys. I've been thinking about how to get a High Republic involved on my arm here. So, oh, would be, let me know on Patreon if you want me to get a tattoo. <laughs> that's a good force one. me, Price. force me, please. Good, good catch, Charles. Thank you. Thank that was you. awesome. On page 88, Obi Wan says hello there. I just couldn't resist. I think everyone caught that one. Oh, he says that a lot, Charles. Yeah, he does say that a lot. It wasn't <laughs> just like the his, one time. It's like his thing. On page 101, one of the children on Lenara is uh, noted to be Iktachi, which is a species we don't see very often. It's the same species, though, as Sacy Tin, if you can think of Sacy Tin, with the big horns yes. on the side of his head. Oh, so yeah. that was cool. And speaking of the Jedi Council, on page 103, Kit Fisto himself gets mentioned. It's always fun. That's right. That's right. Remember that? Guy with the, guy with the fingers. Uh, the whole, uh, the, whole, the entire sure. premise of Nautilus being in 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 barrels was stupid was and hilarious. That was so yeah. funny. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> we're aquatic. Do you want to leave this planet? Nah, I think I'm fine. I'm just good. Barrel yeah, forever. I mean, I'm already all moved in. You know. I mean. <laughs> uh, I put up. I put up some artwork. You know. I just I don't take it down. Uh. On page 173, here's a quote. And besides, Obi-Wan said, rushing to change the subject for himself more than anyone, I would never want to be in a relationship with a leader, too close to politicians or royalty. I'm sure if I ever fell in love, it would be with someone calm, peaceful, easy to get along with. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds exactly like Satine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A little bit. On page 152, a Garolian ghost viper is mentioned, and that is a great pull from Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith novelization when Count Dooku compared the quickness of Obi-Wan's lightsaber combat to flicks of a Garolian ghost viper tongue. Wow. So there you wow. go. Can I just say, I love how much Star Wars authors in the modern day love that novelization like yes, it's in our essential six novels we we sing those praises all the time on the site everywhere we go but from brotherhood mike chen was <clears throat> i we talked on that round table mike chen adored that novelization oh yeah, oh, yeah. kirsten white here like people pull from Just that so much years, and that, especially yeah, yeah it's been a that's like 17 years old i know it's crazy yeah yeah. Also, Road to the Sith is 17 years old, y'all. I, sit I that also listen. Stop. I also like to think. I, <laughs> I like to think bath. that Utini has played a small role in that in some way because we have pushed really, really hard that that has been the best novel ever written, and we've you got to preach the gospel. Guys. Deviate. That's I know, what I'm true. saying. It's true. It's true. I read it. Yeah, West <laughs> read it. That tells you anything. <laughs> That's on the back of the novel, actually. If you look at the back, it says, I read it, Wes Jenkins. (laughs) 
Whenever they do the Essential Legends collection version of Revenge of the Death, I'll offer the Del Rey. You have our permission. You know, I read it. Wes, you're teeny. <laughs> There's someone out there that picked that up off a of Barnes and Noble bookcase and was like, well, did Wes read it? <laughs> All right, we got to make a custom dust jacket that people can order, and it just <laughs> Wes read it on the front. <laughs> they, they used to, okay, kids, they used to have, like, the staff uh, recommends at VHS, like, Blockbuster Video, uh-huh. and they would have they would have the staff, like, recommendations. Uh-huh. And you go over there, and you pick, like, oh, Joseph over there recommends these six movies or whatever. So you go, and you check, and do, like, the Joseph recommends. This, this, this is the West recommends. This is the West, West recommends. recommends. I, I, I literally just heard a cricket outside of my window when I thought it was. And I thought it Amazing. Was from one of y'all. All right. <laughs> Great poll. We Great got poll. a few more to push through. Great poll. On page 176, Chondo peppers are mentioned, <laughs> as can be seen and prepared in the official Black Spire Outpost cookbook. I feel like that cookbook gets at least one reference per canon I, book at this point. That, it's super fun. It's super fun. Yeah. I think there must have been a there must have been a shockingly low number of of food <laughs> in yeah, it's on so they just planet. had, to, they just had yeah. to add a bunch of them for the, book, <laughs> the cookbook on page 185 uh since we didn't mention him in the recap but eric you brought him up earlier how about the addition of dexter jetster member of, what do you know yeah, member of <laughs> the shy, actual best heist team might i add that's okay true. uh <laughs> not, not if you check the count that surprised <laughs> me, honestly. I was not expecting it, that him to show up in this book, and that's their yeah, first yeah. introduction to. We got that's his how they o- met. How yes, they met. we got their yeah. origin story. That was like kind of yeah. big. And he was also really such a he was such a wholesome dude too. Like he was such yeah. a wholesome character. I loved him. He was yeah. like, "What? He's a piece of crap? What? <laughs> no, screw that guy. He's a jerk. Let's mutiny." Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was great. Yeah, I, loved him. I mean, Dex is like as as much as it's been a year for Obi Wan. It's been a year for Dex. True, he's True. in Brotherhood. He's in Padawan. Like, I love it. Like, it's it's, it's actually really giving again Obi Wan that kind of. Be- are they besties? Like, are they actually uh, that tight? Apparently. You know, yeah. yeah. It's kind of cool. Does he get his own live action character? I know, and, but and he just got the ship that he's going to go use to mine on Subterrail with. Like, he's yeah, excellent. True. Yes. <laughs> right. You yeah. are my brother. Love Dexter. Love Dex in this book. Yes. On page 199, Obi-Wan uh, utters one of his other nice quotes, so uncivilized. That's true. I, I will say, I will say, that one slightly took me out. Mm. I want to be fully transparent. Like, I, I love Easter eggs. I love when they go in there. But the, but the memification of the catchphrases of Obi-Wan in the modern day, like, hello there, I love, for some reason, so uncivilized as this 16-year-old kid. I'm like. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I, yeah. yeah. Check me out for, just for a second. It's fun, but I'm like, that's the line. That's the thing. It's teetering. Yeah. Well, later on page 202, Obi-Wan says, oh, I'll never have a Padawan as bad as I am. Obi-Wan was sure of that. Cue Anakin slaughtering Tuscans once again. Second, right. second reference here. Who among us hadn't? Who among us? Come on. Um, on page 227, Elzar Mann is referenced. Orla states that she's just been tasked to help him, meaning yes. that she was on Lenara just before the events of the Fallen Star, which is pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, cool. and then I'm gonna jump back to maybe my the the deepest pull, my favorite mm. one, maybe page two nineteen. A Sargonian behemoth tick is mentioned, and as far as I know, as far as I know, uh, this was a pull from all the way back in the 1977 Star Wars comic run issue 28, when Han Solo, in reference to these stone mites that are chasing him in Chewbacca, he says. Those little demons are hanging on like Sargonian behemoth ticks. 
So Holy that was like smokes. such a deep Charles, pull. every mm. single time you outdo yourself. What issue was that? In there, issue twenty-eight. You can of find the it original on the Marvel run? of the original run. The yes, OG. the twenty-eighth comic that had ever been made. That's like that is some of the earliest Star Wars yeah. lore that's ever. Wow. created. that, that was, was going on be- at the time. That was well before any of the books like had, had that been is a sh- thought. Yes, like that- Jacob, those are shenanigans. Yeah, wow. shenanigans. That is no one was proofreading crazy. that. Yeah, somebody did, and they made oh, it into a Wikipedia cool. article. Or maybe the, maybe <laughs> right. the author read the original. If we ever interview her, maybe we yeah, should yeah, we should it's ask. Way, absolutely, we should ask. But that's it. That's so. That's cool. it, guys. If I missed your favorite Easter egg, and you're watching, you're listening, let me know in the comments. Otherwise, let's wrap this up because again, this is just a one parter. So, any final thoughts on Padawan by Kirsten White? Let's just go back around the same order we started. I guess Eric, you you started for us. What are your final thoughts? Uh, my thought, my final thoughts are: This is a very fun YA novel about Obi Wan. Um, I think that we we've gotten so many amazing books this year, like f- for real. The, the quality has been insane. That I think this somehow got lost in the shuffle a little bit, but it's really fun, and I think it brought more so than anything a lot of really cool Force lore to the forefront. I love seeing Obi Wan, aside from being a teacher, aside from being the perfect student, and figuring out how he got there in the first place. Um, the ending of this book is I think the best part of it, which is, I think is really good. Um, so if you're reading this book or you, for some reason want to go back to it, if you haven't read it yet, we're sorry we spoiled the whole thing for you. Um, but the ending <laughs> of it really is, I think really fun. It leaves you with a really great taste of Obi-Wan getting back to the temple. And I will say more so than anything, this made me want to get more of the temple antics. Now that Obi-Wan has gone through this trial. Um, and I think any book that makes you want more of the characters that it included is a success. And in that way, I think it made me want to know more about Obi-Wan's story. And even though, as you said, Charles, at the top of this, it's been Obi-Wan year. We've gotten Brotherhood. We've gotten Padawan. We got the show. I am not sick of Obi-Wan Kenobi content yet, and I think that's the highest compliment I can give. I want more. Yeah, for sure. This book was really fun. Uh, I think it was, you know, I think initially I was a little bit not super into the book. I think it took me about halfway through the book but then i really got enthralled with it and really enjoyed it after that point this was really short read it's a quick read you know i don't i don't think that i think the the fact that it's as short as it is honestly like keeps it off of being a list that of books that you could maybe skip you know what i mean like because it it takes no it takes no commitment so like no don't skip it because it's an easy book to get through right and yeah 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 super fun um i think it added some really interesting tidbits about obi-wan as a character and I enjoyed it overall. I would I would call it a positive experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it as well. It, it's a great audio book, just like all of them are. Um, but it, it would also, I think it is a is a good storytelling, I guess a good storytelling initiative for younger readers to help them understand what's going on in the world. Like, yes, you have concerns and anxiety and stuff like that, but as long as you look within yourself and you surround yourself with the right people, then everything will work out. I, I, um, I yeah I, wanna, I just want to touch on that Wes real quick because I think we slightly mentioned it but I just want to reinforce that point if you know a teenager that wants a Star Wars book this is a great one I think oh, yeah. if I was a teenager and I said I'm going through that stuff you mentioned Wes but so is Obi Wan freaking Kenobi I think there's a lot of power in that yeah. so I love that yeah, especially great point having seen the, the Obi Wan series just now that just I'm sure everybody's seen it um, I also want to leave you gentlemen with a poll. From the 1991 masterpiece, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Secret of the Use. <laughs> I love you um, so much. Low Grib. Low Grib is the super shredder who consumes the ooze 
and turns into the giant muscle-bound behemoth that literally destroys the deck and takes out the uh, takes out the Ninja Turtles. 1991, gentlemen. I mean, you kind of did look it up. Describe That's... the climax of this book. So I mean, awesome! Wow. <laughs> yeah, same guy ooze. for sure. <laughs> Kirsten White, we see you. Well. I, I agree with everything you guys said, including that, that poll, Wes. Thank you for that. Um, wow. I'm not sure how I missed that one in the Easter eggs. Um, <laughs> I, you know, again, it's been the summer of Obi-Wan. This is probably my, my least favorite installment of the summer of Obi-Wan, but that's not to say it's not a really enjoyable book. I still very much enjoyed this book. Um, I think that it's great to see young Obi-Wan. It's something we got a, a decent amount of in Legends, and it's something I'd like to see more of. Like, I hope that Padawan is not the last uh, time that we see Obi-Wan kind of in this time period. So okay. I do hope there's more, and uh, and there's you know so many books coming out now, I'm, I'm sure that we will get more. So... <laughs> Sorry about that. No. <laughs> Wes I, is going and queuing up Ninja Turtles. You watch before, <laughs> before we uh, we go off the rails, Eric, why don't you take us home? All right, sounds good. Thank you everyone for tuning in for this one part paddle, one part roundtable about paddle. I should say, <clears throat> next week in the Living Force, we are talking all about Andor. You heard of it? Little indie show. Yeah. We're doing our official preview show. Everything we've heard so far, all of our thoughts about it. Uh, we're dedicating to it because it is coming out this month. We hope you tune in for that. If you have thoughts about Padawan, let us know in our Discord. Let us know on Twitter. Uh, let us know in the YouTube comments. It is so fun talking about these books with all of you. And we hope that everything we put out on UTD makes you folks enjoy the books even more. Because what a gift it is to speak about books in freaking Star Wars. It's just the best time of all. But on that note, my friends, that'll do it. For this week's episode of The Living Force, brought to you by Hawaii. Uh, if you already support us on Patreon, make sure to stick it out. The Asheville documentary is coming. The 50th episode of Star Wars Archives is coming. And there's never been a better time to join at utini.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash utini. A special thank you to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, Robert Thomas, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Cloutier, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Corey M. Helton. Charles is at C. Hankel. Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor. Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire. And Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for potting with me tonight. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you. Always.